Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tree City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Baker, here as always with my co-host, Graham Owen. We're back. Happy late Thanksgiving to happy, everybody. Yes, happy late Thanksgiving indeed. And we're kind of doing a, uh, a Cavs check-in today. We had planned this uh, podcast for about a week, and then the Cavs went out there and beat the 76ers and the Rockets back-to-back days. And almost beat the Lakers. And holy cow, now I really want to talk about the Cavs. Yeah, um, they've been they've been a lot more exciting to watch the last two weeks since we did our first podcast after the time oh, was firing. The, the beginning of the year was brutal. Yeah, it I mean, really was. Oh, and six start, and then not, and then we still were struggling a little bit out of the gate with Larry Drew. But I mean, still we're four and fourteen after the win against the Houston Rockets. So is that good? No, but it's tank, tank. We've tank, played tank. better this last week or two, and that's really just been whether it's wins or losses. It's just been. They've at least been exciting to watch. It's been a lot different team. I mean, yeah. we thought coming into this podcast, we were going to talk about mostly LeBron's return and the environment around that. And, you know, oh, well, there's not going to be a lot to talk about the Cavs. But instead, like I said, they went out here and beat two legitimate, you know, upper tier NBA teams, even if both of them are struggling a little bit. And those are still big, big wins for a team yeah. this young and, and this inexperienced. And I think. Especially the Philly game. The Philly game was on, was in the, on the road. Oh, yeah. Philly had won 20 straight home games gone it's you know you gotta give the Cavs a lot of credit you know you really do I think the the most important things aside from individual player development which we can talk about in a couple minutes I think Larry Drew has you know now that at the beginning of the year it was clear the team didn't have a direction they didn't have a sense of purpose they didn't have defined roles they were coming into this year expecting to make a playoff run which it was ass which is hilarious in the first place Kevin Love got hurt and you know now Jr.'s gone. He's kind of on a sabbatical until he gets traded or or whatever may happen. By the way, oh, they light his contract. Jr. is a legend, and he always will be. And God bless that man. Cavs wouldn't have a title without him. Yeah. Um. But anyways, a game so it seems that. like since Larry Drew's taken over, you know, you and I both mentioned that we thought the Ty Lue firing looked bad because of the circumstances around it and the way it was handled. Not necessarily because of because the actual coaching fired. change. Yes. Yeah. I think Larry Drew's a really good coach for a young team. And I don't think it was a problem that Ty Lue got fired. Like we said, it's just... It's the optics. Why did you fire him six games into the year? You should have just fired yes. him after the season. And it's telling players that you're going to contend for a playoff spot and then firing him almost off the bat. Yeah, like if you had fired him in July and then had Larry Drew with the ability to... Because they probably wouldn't have hired a coach. They probably would have just had Larry Drew do that just because it would have been too late in the process, but... If they would have just had Larry Drew from July, then the optics of what the team is now would be a lot different than what they were at the beginning of the season when people were frustrated because they were expecting a playoff. Yeah, I mean, we, like like we said, Kyle Korver would have requested a trade if he didn't think they were going to go for a contending spot. Yeah. And he actually expected a trade. They didn't do it. You know, Kevin Love re-signed on the premise of contending for a playoff spot. What, we don't have to rehash all of that. We all know that, you know, I ha- I've had my Dan Gilbert rant and I stand by all of it. But... Larry Drew has gotten this team focused. Um, he's got, you know, players playing specific roles. He's got a rotation that makes sense. You know, like, for example, Antes has just been cut out of the rotation because, yeah, let's be honest, good. he's not an NBA player. But also, it's really helped because now you're seeing Thompson or Larry Nance on the floor, not both generally, and certainly not one of them with Zizic, which is a disaster. Yeah. And you're seeing... You know, there's actually some spacing now on the floor where the young guys can actually get to the basket and instead of having to force their, their way through three or four bodies at a time to do it. And they're just playing lineups that make more sense. They're playing, 
you know, the nine guys or so that should be playing right now with Kevin Love and George Hill out and, and uh, J.R. Smith gone. And it's just, they're able to grow now because they have roles, they have, you know, defined, you know, situations they should be in. It just, the team is designed better now. Plus small added wrinkles, David Nwaba being put into the starting lineup to yeah, help. Exactly. For, yes. Yes. Larry Nance shooting threes now just to keep okay. him honest. Yeah, that's not yeah. which was funny because as we were watching uh, a replay of the game, Andrew's like Cavs Larry Nance Rockets. should stop shooting threes, and he shoots a three and just drills it. I mean, look, this is the thing though: is when you're when when you're a team like the Cavs, who's going nowhere this year, and your sole purpose is to develop young players. Might as well experiment. Larry Nance can chuck up a three once a game just to try and get used to it, because maybe next year he can actually start making them at a. 35% clip or 32% or whatever. Just enough to keep defenses Yeah, Just enough. Because they are still playing Thompson and Nance together a little bit. Like five or six minutes a game. Which is fine. Yeah, of course. And those, small those, doses, Those are two fine. of the Cavs' six or seven best players. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Nance can actually step out a little bit outside of the paint and hit like a 12-foot, yeah. 14-foot jumper. He has that ability. Thompson doesn't, so he's just more of that role center. Well, we can talk about Tristan Thompson now. I mean... He's a beast. He's playing really well this year. Not only has he stepped up in a leadership role, I mean, he mm-hmm. is the unquestioned leader of this team now. Absolutely. I mean, and it's and, and it's good for him that he's but he's been through, you know, all kinds of playoff runs. He's been battle tested. He's been there for the good and the bad with his franchise. Up, down, or down, then up, then back down again. He's been yeah. here for all of it. And I think he's relishing his role to lead the young players and clearly he's had a major impact on these guys and I think it's he's been not just in a leadership role but on the court he has been unbelievable I mean his offensive rebounding is almost being ratcheted up to another level he has the seventh best offensive rebounding rate in the history of the NBA right now yeah that's that is elite production for a rebound I mean and for a team like the Cavs it doesn't have elite talent to score baskets rebounding and especially offensive rebounding is incredibly important to get those second opportunities because yes. against good teams, if you don't get multiple more opportunities than them, they're usually going to outscore you. So the fact that he's getting those offensive rebounds. Yeah. The Cavs don't have a ton of great scorers right now. And you know, if, if, if there's a missed shot and Tristan Thompson gets the ball, the rebound a foot away from the basket, that's an opportunity to create a high percentage shot that the mm-hmm. Cavs offense a lot of the Cavs' offense right now is very ISO-centric. Which is annoying. But it kind of is what it is when you have a team this young. They don't really know what they're doing. I mean, like, Jordan Clarkson's not going to be out here, you know, eight assists a game. It's just not going to happen. Um, but like you said, Thompson can kind of create those high-percentage shots off the offensive rebounds. And yeah. also, even on post-ups, he's having by far the best season of his career posting up. And I don't think, you know, you're going to be looking at him to score 20 points a game, but 11 points a game and 12 rebounds a game is a hell of a contribution, especially considering his leadership. Yeah, I mean, he's been very important, especially for the Cavs' defense since Larry Drew took over. The defense has been a lot more active and a lot more uh, better at communicating. Yeah, it's effort-based. They're not great yet, but they're trying. Like, you always hear Tristan, even when he's not wired up on a mic, just yep. calling out assignments, making sure guys are in the right spots, making sure Chetty Osman or Jetty Osman, I'm sorry, I always mispronounce it, Jetty Osman is doing that as well. So the guys that mm-hmm. had the time with LeBron the last four years, once he left, they ha- took those experiences, those experiences of deep playoff runs and are able to work together and do things. But Tristan specifically playing so much better than he did last year, where last year people were even wondering if he should be playing. Clearly he wasn't healthy last year. Yeah, clearly. And he was having issues going on in his personal life. Some of which he caused on his own, but 
this year, it's fresh start for him as a basketball player, and he's really showing that he's doing everything he can for this Cavs team. And at if for some reason the Cavs still real think he's not part of the future, he's making himself one hell of a trade asset by yeah. doing this. He's making his contract, which a lot of people, including us, were thinking, I don't know if you can move that contract without having to give up like a first round pick. It's making it so maybe you could, if you want to, get, at least get rid of he's that contract. He's got one more year, I think. Yeah, he's after this year, he's got one more year on a contract, and then... I mean, he's playing really well. He's showing good leadership qualities and he's for this team right now. That's exactly what they need. He's a great, he's, Kevin he, Love. he's back to being the player he was a couple of years ago. Yeah. The 20, you know, last Tristan. year, clearly, like you said, he had off the court stuff and he wasn't healthy this year. He's back to being the Tristan Thompson. We know and love. And like we said, he's ratcheted up the leadership because he is one of the true, you know, vets in this team. And he's like, one, he's one of the only got, few. You've got a guy like Kyle Korver and George Hill, and those guys are, I think are I think are good kind of teachers, and they'll pull guys aside and they'll play the right way. But I think they're Thompson, not super vocal. Yes, Thompson's that guy that's going to just no. You need to do this better or play harder. You know, communication on the court, like you said, is a great example to set for young players because that's something a lot of young players struggle with is communicating on the floor. And that's why young players struggle on defense so much. Yes. Usually, is because. They are always – they are not sure how to communicate. They're not comfortable with their teammates because it's mm-hmm. a new team. And that you saw that earlier this year where they weren't communicating and they were just getting torched game after game. And you mentioned Nawaba. I think Nawaba fits so well even in the starting lineup because he is a defense first player. I mean, for example, the other day it was like mid-fourth quarter and James Harden was 3 of 14 shooting when guarded by David Nawaba. And that's – the Cavs don't have many good individual defenders in the team, and Nawaba is that guy. And additionally, in that starting lineup, he can kind of just mostly play defense. You know, maybe uh, he's a good cutter, yeah, make some cuts. But for the most part, he's not going to be handling the ball. So guys like Colin Sexton and Rodney Hood can do the majority of the offense when they're on the yeah, f- he, court. He took a little too many, few too many shots in this Rockets game recently. He took 16. He was yeah, like 5 of 16. Yeah. Well, look, the thing with him is, I'll say this. If he's open from three, he's got to shoot it. He's been a good three-point shooter in his career so far. This year he's struggling, but he has to continue to take those shots because yeah. once he stops taking those shots, they're going to stop respecting him. And like him. you said, this year is a development year, so yes. we're not playing for anything. So then just, he, yeah. just yeah. do what you need to do. Get him those opportunities because we were talking about this before – the podcast even started. He's probably one of maybe four players on this team that when it gets to be like 2020, like two years from now, yeah. that I could see really realistically being on this team. I can see him being a really nice backup guard. I mean, he's, yeah, he's tenacious like defensively. Man. He's strong. He's a little bit undersized in a sense to guard shooting guards like Harden, but he battles, man. No, he's I, a tough I really, defender. I really enjoy watching him play. And that's another thing where he can kind of set the tone for some of these young players. If you have him and Thompson out there playing really hard on defense, that sets a tone to where other guys say, okay, I got to step up or I'm not going to get minutes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think the the biggest you know, reason for optimism with the Cavs right now by far is Colin Sexton. Young bull. Yes. Um, Colin Sexton, first 10 games of his career coming off the bench, which I don't think it's a coincidence that he's doing better in the starting lineup. You know, off the bench, he was kind of – not really the primary ball handler. He was kind of just forcing his way. Clearly, he wasn't really ready for the NBA yet. Averaging 10 points a game, 41% shooting, 30% from three. That's that's ugly. Since he's been in the starting lineup eight games now, he's averaging 19.5 points a game, 51% shooting, and even 56% on threes. He's only attempting two threes a game, but that is 
major, major progress for him already. And I thought that it might be next year before we started to see some progress, but he's already growing faster than I anticipated. I mean, I believed in him from from the beginning. I knew he was 19, though. You yeah. Know? And I was it, saying it, sometimes these things take time. And I was saying from the beginning that he should start it both because I thought he was a better player than George Hill. And like to Andrew's point, some players are just better as starters than bench players. Some players are just more comfortable in that role. And for some reason, I can't explain it, but some players just need that time with the starting units to start the game. Whereas when you come off the bench, you have to get hot immediately. Those type of players are not players that can come in and kind of feel out the game. They have to come in and make an immediate impact. Whereas starters yeah, I was can wrong feel the that. game out. I thought that the bench was the best spot for him because he could kind of get eased into the game. I mean, I'm sure if he started from day one, he wouldn't have been that great at the beginning. Right. I don't think he'd be doing this but all I, your, the time. Your point, your point is, it remains, is that he's looked a lot better with the starters. Yeah, and it's because he's the he's the lead ball handler. He he's not, and that's the and I said ball handler. I didn't say lead playmaker because the Cavs don't really have an, a great playmaker on this team. And he, for, for Cavs fans, he's never going to be that top level assist guy. He's no, never going he's to a be that first guy. Player. He is a player that I've already identified as someone that whenever whoever the Cavs do draft in this ne- next year, they need or in the next couple years, they need a player that is a ball handler, a playmaker that can help him as because he can be a secondary ball handler. He can be a guy that helps initiate offense. It can like make passes, but he's not going to be your guy that's touching the ball all the time. He's not going to be a Chris Paul or a Russell Westbrook. He's not he's just not that type of player. He's more in the lines of a scoring guy, kind of like a Kemba Walker. He, they're not the same player, but those players that are more scorers, they can they can play make if they need to, but their real value comes in their scoring, and his defense has even improved as well. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a point where he has a stretch where he's not as good. Right, and he's where, a rookie. Where he misses a lot. I mean, he's taking a lot of mid-range twos and deep twos, and those are not those are not high-percentage shots in the NBA, and those are not really good shots. But it's a sign of progress for sure, even if he's making those shots. Because the first few games of his career, he wasn't making any type of jump shots. It shot. was just to the basket, really. Yeah, it was to the basket or he was bricking shots. And now, you know, long term, you don't want to see him take a lot of contested mid-range twos. But the mid-range shot, as we've seen with Kyrie Irving and other players, is definitely a weapon that you want to have. Chris Paul. Yeah, and, to, and like I said, there's nothing wrong with being an elite mid-range shooter. Long term, you want to see mostly layups and threes, but for him to develop that shot already is very promising. And he's looked, I mean, I'm really, really surprised at how how quickly he's developed already. I really am. And he's one of the big light, like shining lights that the Cavs fans should hold on to throughout the season because we don't have that many young players and he's our first round draft pick. And he's someone that we're hoping that can be a big part of our nucleus going forward the next five to 10 years, maybe we want we, I don't think he's ever going to be the, right now. He's the number one piece we have long. Yeah. Term. Number one. I don't think long-term he's going to be the number one player, maybe not even the number two player on a team that's trying to contend for a championship, but he is going to be a player that is going to be very important. And if, if his defense continues to improve as it has, and he can score and maybe just develop his three point game a little bit more, he doesn't have to be a Kyrie Irving style, 40% or Steph Curry, three point shooter. If he can be a 37%, 36, 37% three point shooter, taking like four or five a game and just being a good scorer, getting to the rim, playing good defense. That's really a best case scenario. Cause he was also the number eight pick of the draft. He wasn't a top, the top pick of the draft. 
So yeah, we said you know last time we podcast podcasted, excuse me. We said last time it looks like there might have been seven good players in this draft, and the Cavs picked eighth. Well, now it looks like there's eight in a row. The top eight of this draft, all eight players look really good. Yeah, they've I all mean, made an is, impact. This has been a really impressive, you know, top eight of a draft. It's very rare that you're a month and a half into the season and the first eight picks in a row all look like legitimate good NBA players. That's rare. And a lot of those teams are really surprising. The Kings with uh-huh. Marvin Bagley, the Grizzlies with Jaron Jackson. Yeah. Uh, who else am I thinking? The Trey Young has been putting up crazy numbers. Yeah. So is DeAndre Ayton. Those two guys are mostly just putting up good numbers yep. on bad teams. But a lot of these players are already making big impacts for teams that were bad last year. Yep. And the Cavs, and look, you know, we said it in the last podcast, and it, the point is, is still here. The Cavs are not going to be a good team this year. There's no chance of that. The Cavs are... Which means we won't give up our first round pick. The Cavs, the Cavs are going to finish in the bottom 10 in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Bottom, bottom five. Not even. For sure. There's even. no chance they finish outside of the top 10. No. And there, I think there's almost no chance they finish outside of the bottom five. I agree. And that's... Because they've already again, put themselves so far behind the eight ball. Long term, that's a good thing. Because this team needs another high draft pick or two before they can really start to take off. And but, hopefully top three. Yes. It's just... I'm really, really encouraged by Colin Sexton, and I didn't think it would it would happen this quickly for him. And like I said, there will be downs. Absolutely. Right now, he's on the ups. But again, even for an eight-game stretch, 20 points a game shooting 51%, that is really, really legitimately great NBA production. And I'm sure he's not going to keep shooting whatever he's shooting on. Like, he shot 14 of 19 the other day. I don't think that's going to happen a lot. But, you know, he's already has the makings of a good NBA player, and that's Super, super encouraging for the Cavs. Absolutely. I think there are some questions as to, you know, they've really got this rotation down with these nine players. When George Hill and Kevin Love come back, they got to play. I mean, Kevin Love, obviously. Well, Kevin Love's definitely going to play. He's a starter. Um, what, do you, what would you do with George Hill? George Hill is someone that you're gonna, I think you have to play a little bit just to, if you want have any chance of trading him. I think I, get... clearly the Andrew Harrison minutes will go away. Yeah, I think but Andrew Harrison you know, will go to the bench or he'll go to the G League and then – George Hill can play 20 to 25 minutes yeah, a game. Maybe cut a little bit of minutes out of Clarkson, a little bit out of Nawaba. Yeah, and Hill can be a good guy for the bench unit that runs as a playmaker for that second unit. Yeah, clearly Sexton's staying in the starting lineup. Yeah, and we need a playmaker in that second unit, and that could even be helpful where if Love plays with the bench guys, Love and Hill together, and then having the Larry Nances come in, having, the, having David Nawaba maybe play with them a little bit as well, or having Ch- Jetty play with them sometimes, like – Having those mix and matches, but having that playmaker in the second unit that so that way if Love isn't playing, he's not the only one that's doing it. Because clearly when Love left, he's our best passer. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, if you look at like Andrew Harrison, he's not an NBA player. No. And I think having George Hill take his role as the backup point guard, play, you know, Harrison's playing about 10 minutes a game right now. But like you said, I think 2025 is good for Hill. I do think Hill is definitely a trade candidate. Absolutely. I don't think, I think he'll be here. I think Hill and Corver are the two guys that obviously I think Corver could, could be moved before the new year. I yeah. think before, like before January, I think Hill will be a little bit later, maybe like January, February, but I now think Corver is going to get moved. Quick. Yeah. I think you're looking at second round picks for those guys. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with adding a second round pick for veterans that aren't going to be here next year. Anyways. Second round picks can I turn think, into surprise starters or role players. Yeah, And they're also just an asset where you could trade up in the draft with them, whatever. Yeah. Um, they're kind of like lottery tickets, but also, you know, going forward, that's why Tristan Thompson has been so important is you can trade uh, a Hill and a Corver and not worry about a lack of veteran leadership because Tristan Thompson has really galvanized the team. 
I think that's, that's why Tristan Thompson, another way, is so important is because you can trade those veterans and not have to worry too much about the void that's left. It'll also be nice when Kevin Love comes back because he'll also help provide yeah. that lead by example I think type of leadership. Kevin Love remains a a very interesting conversation to have when you talk about the Cavs because I, I, I just don't see a world in which Kevin Love is still an all-star caliber player when, He's not going to be on the, this by team the, in two by years. By the time the Cavs get good again. He's not going to be on and, this team in two years. You know, I think it would make all the sense in the world still. I mean, we said it at the time. They, this contract doesn't really make sense for Kevin Love for the Cavs unless they're going to trade him. And, you know, as much as I enjoy watching Kevin Love play and as much as I think he could be helpful for Colin Sexton's development, because Kevin Love's a smart player. Yeah. And I think running pick and, and he could take some of the scoring load off. Yes. And I think running the pick and roll with Sexton can teach Sexton how to be a little bit better of a passer and play with his teammates a little bit more. Cause right now he's kind of, you know, more of a one-on-one type of player. Yeah. But I just think, you know, we'll see about Kevin Love when he comes back, he's going to start. And I think there'll be an adjustment period for the team when he comes back. I, I think, you know, he can definitely be the leading scorer of the team. Clearly that's Kevin Love we're talking about here, but I, I do wonder what it will look like long-term because right now the Cavs just have young players. that are just doing whatever they want. When Kevin Love comes back, they're going to have to run the offense through him. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's just interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes back. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Love is going to be important for, for the foreseeable future, but it wouldn't surprise me if February comes around and he's mentioned and a team is feels like they're one piece away from being a contender, especially in the West where the West has been so up and down this year. Obviously, Golden State will probably get back to form, but uh, it's just going to be weird to see. He's probably going to get traded either this year or in the offseason. Yeah, I think the offseason probably makes more sense, but I don't know. But you if know, a team you know, feels like know. they're one piece away, they might be willing to make that trade. If you can get long-term assets for Kevin Love, you have to do it. Yeah, if you, you get have a first-round pick for him, yeah, like that first-round pick, again, more t- lottery tickets, a chance to trade up, maybe trade into the lottery for a second time yep. and get another player. I don't know much about this draft class yet. I really just know about the Duke guys, yeah. Zion Williamson, Cameron Reddish, and uh, R.J. Barrett. And there's Nasir Little from North Carolina, too. Yeah, but those three Duke guys are kind of the players that, if you're a Cavs fan, just watch Duke during the season. And Zion, obviously, is the one everyone's talking about. He's got the highlights, and he's definitely a great, good player. But if the Cavs walk away from this next from this off, next upcoming offseason with not a lot of money on the books – where they're able to trade Kevin Love, where they're able to trade George Hill. J.R. Smith will be gone by then. And then add another young piece, one of those three guys, because all three of them could fit with uh, Colin Sexton. That's what you're looking for, because this is a long game right now. The Cavs right now are fun to watch, and as long as they keep playing good, hard basketball, that'll remain the case. But this is a future prospects thing. This is You have to be willing to play the long game here if you're the Cavs. Yeah, short-term... Big time development from Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. Guy like Jordan Clarkson starting to find his role. You know, David Nwaba getting the inch is good. It's just, it's been really fun to watch the Cavs, and I don't expect them to win a lot of games the rest of the year. They're still going to be a bottom five team. Oh, yeah. But the development of young players is what's important, and you have to be optimistic about what you're seeing right now for the Cavs. Absolutely. Kevin Love coming back, like we said, we'll have to see how he integrates because they kind of have their little ISO system going right now. But you know what? Worst case scenario, he can be a floor spacer and a rebounder because the Cavs need floor spacing. The Cavs have been watchable since the, for the last they have couple been weeks. Damn watchable, Graham. And that's damn a, watchable. Except for that uh, that Pistons game that you decided to watch instead of the uh, Rams Chiefs game. 
Oh, by the way, dedication gonna, to the Cavs sometimes we're going to be painful. We're going to be doing our podcast, uh, our NFL podcast on Tuesday. Yep. So uh, I don't know. I don't. We probably won't talk about that game. It's been a while now, but that was a great game. It was a great game. Yeah. The Browns game. The Browns more. game is starting here in about twenty minutes. minutes, and they're playing the Bengals on the road, and they're less the first two Jackson Bowl. Ah, uh, the first two Jackson Bowl, baby. Let's see what Baker Mayfield has in store. We'll have more NFL content for you. With our Browns podcast on Tuesday. Talk a little Ohio we, State, we keep too. Ta- we'll, we'll talk some Ohio State on Tuesday. We'll, we'll be football-centric uh, on Tuesday, as usual. Plus, uh, you know, we keep saying we're going to have more general NBA talk. I, we swear to God, we're going to do it. I've been lobbying for we're it. We're not going to just talk Cavs. We're going to talk about the NBA right now, because there's a lot of fascinating stuff going on. So, stay with us. We appreciate everyone listening. We'll have more content for you soon. TreeCRecords.com, as always. Uh, my my Twitter at a baker underscore sports. Graham's Twitter at gtmohan. We really appreciate all listens, and like I said, five star reviews only. If you give us four stars, you're a bum. Uh, all right, we'll t- we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.